We would like to acknowledge the Yuggera people and the Turbal people as the traditional custodians of Mianjin, the lands on which we record this podcast today. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to another episode on For the Health of It podcast, a podcast made for healthcare professionals by a nurse on the inside. So my name is Jess Tully and I'm the brand ambassador of Healthcare Australia, but I'm also a registered nurse myself. Now this is a really hilarious interview. I interviewed Rowan, who is one of our HCA nurses and he's all the way from the UK. So the purpose of this interview is for you to understand the difference of those medical terminology differences. I mean, us Aussies are a little bit unique with what we say. And now that I've kind of reflected back on this episode, we do say some pretty hilarious things. But it's really important to have a listen to this that you can kind of get ready and get adjusted to the Australian Aussie lifestyle. So I'm actually an Aussie nurse and I've been a nurse for 11 years. I worked in five states across Australia with Healthcare Australia as well. And I know that every single state of Australia is a little bit different. But this is just to give you a little basic understanding on the different terminology that we use. And it's actually quite hilarious. So get yourself ready for some laughs and tune into this episode because I think you're going to love it. Enjoy. So a huge welcome on For the Health of It podcast to Rowan. Welcome to the podcast, Rowan. Hi, thank you for having me. Woohoo, I'm so stoked to have you today. We have been talking nonstop for months and months trying to plan a fun episode and I have found the perfect episode for you to do with me. Now, Rowan, Obviously, the audience has just heard your accent. Whereabouts are you from? So, originally, I'm from southeast London, uh, Brixton. Um, yeah, worked in a hospital there for a year and a bit before moving over. Nice. So, you obviously, you did your nursing training and everything back in the UK? Yeah, London South Bank. Yeah, it was good. How long were you nursing for there before you decided to come to Australia? So, I was an RN for a year and a half in King's College at the ED there. And before that, I was a hospital carer and in the ambulance service for a bit. Um, Yeah, and then moved over. Nice. So what made you make the decision, though, to come to Australia? Was it our amazing beaches and amazing lifestyle? Yeah, yeah, it was. Like, one of my friends um, was over here for a year and worked as an RN, and she really enjoyed it. And then... um, I had loads of other friends in Melbourne who were from, no, I had loads of other friends from in London who were from Melbourne and yeah, knew, knew loads of people in Melbourne. So I knew it would be an easy transition when it's try living somewhere else for a while. And I don't regret it. I still feel like I'm on holiday. It's amazing. I love that so much. I love that it was just like, oh yeah, I just know people there and it sounds cool. I'll just go to Australia. It's like, you don't have to make it like this big giant decision. It seems like it's a pretty easy decision. Um, Run me through, I guess, the process. So you decided, all right, I want to go to Australia. I've got heaps of mates in Melbourne. Um, What was the first step? Because obviously the whole opera and the whole like applying for opera to come to Australia, a lot of people freak out. How was your experience of getting your opera registration? So I got got a bit of help from HCA um, because I knew I wanted to work for them because I'd done a bit of research in agencies and they kind of, they helped me, they pointed me in the right direction. 
I think it took me about four months. So I got my app for registration sorted out in London before I came. And then, yeah, with, with a bit of help from ACA and my friend who lives over here um, and worked over here. And then when I came over, I just presented in the APRA office in Melbourne. And then, yeah, started working for ACA as soon as I got that because I'd got my references to ACA and it was an easy transition, really. So good. So people are unaware. So we have a whole dedicated international team within Healthcare Australia. So we we don't do the APRA progress like process for you, but we help you with guidance. So you know it just makes the process so much easier when you know okay they know what they're doing, they know how to get people over here. So you've got someone that can help you um, facilitate getting you over to Australia, which is really awesome. And we've got some amazing Facebook groups too, which are very very helpful. How long did it take for you to start the APRA? Like, was it a three month process? Was it a six month process? When, when I got over here, it was quick because I just presented at this place and got it all sorted out. But in London, it took me about three months, I think, to get all the paperwork sorted out. And I just had to get my statements of service and all these admin stuff and kind of send them off. And yeah, I had lots of questions from the ACA team, which helped me out. Yeah, it was, it was smooth. It was easy. I love that. Smooth. And see, we're always there to help you out. I love that. So you've got your ARPA registration. You've said bye to everyone at home. You're like, catch you later. I'm going to the land down under. <laughs> How was your experience when you landed in Melbourne? I guess culture shock wise, was it like mm-hmm. super different to where you lived, obviously in London or cause Melbourne's kind of like, you know, a city city. Yeah. So so I remember because I came over in January, so it was cold in London. It was really cold and probably dark as well. And then, so I got off the plane, it was baking hot. And, um, yeah, I, I remember like first, first couple of days, I think I went into the center of Melbourne and it was 40 degrees and I didn't quite understand that that's, that's a lot because I, I don't think. I'd been in Bollywood degrees many times. And then, um, so I went in jeans, as you do, with, without a bottle of water. It was, it was a lot. It was full on. It was, um, it was a bit of a, bit of a wake up call. And then I found out about all the, the snakes and stuff. And I've still never actually seen a snake, but I was, yeah, a bit twitchy about that, a bit anxious. <laughs> You guys are always freaking out about the snakes. It's so funny. I've seen like maybe maybe four snakes in my whole life. Like, and I'm in my 30s now. So, you know, they're not everywhere. It's calm down. But I mean, there are spiders, obviously. But we'll get we'll get into that. We'll get into the, the scaries of Australia because that's what everyone freaks out about. So it sounds like it was a pretty okay process to get here. But then obviously the weather whacked you in the face pretty hard. <laughs> that horrible heat. And Melbourne has got some wild weather changes. You know, one day it's freezing for me it's freezing it wouldn't be for you but like one day it's freezing one day it's like scorching hot you're like melting it just think it's hot all the time do you yeah and and i didn't quite understand about the sun and the uv index and how you get burned like and i've been burned it's been a bit traumatizing because i don't know why i didn't expect it but yeah got burned a lot 
Yeah. I mean, look, I was at the beach yesterday and I'm pretty crispy today and I SPF 30 all the time, guys. I wore SPF 30 yesterday, rookie error, even from an Australian gal and uh, SPF 30 was not enough. <laughs> I am, and I'm not going to show you on the camera, but my body is very, very lobster right now. So bring your sunscreen, protect yourself from the UV and maybe come in our winter time. Maybe don't come in January at the peak. Yeah, it wasn't ideal. wasn't, yeah, didn't think it through. And you mentioned that you've never been to Brisbane, which is where, which is where I am. I think you will absolutely die here. I do not recommend coming here. Yeah. What, what about coming over in the winter, maybe? Would I survive or melt? I think you'll still melt, but I think it'll be a little bit more bearable for you. <laughs> okay. I know okay. a lot of UK nurses. So I've got a lot of British like friends here in Australia, obviously. Um, we have a lot of internationals that come to Australia to nurse because it is such an amazing country to nurse in. And so many of my friends are British and they're always like dying. I remember one time I had a heated electric throw blanket on me because I was cold. And my friend was asking for the aircon to go on because they were so hot. And I was like, what? I was like, I literally have an electric blanket on me because I'm so cold. And he still teases me to this day, my friend. He's just like, what the hell? Like I need, like it's so hot. I need the aircon on. <laughs> Yeah, it's different. You kind of adjust to the cold and you kind of, yeah, I quite like the cold, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, the cold is long gone now, Rowan. You're not going to see much of that. Now, run me through. So you've come to Australia. You're getting hit with this horrible heat. You're trying to get through all the like, creepy spiders and the creepy snakes. Um, how was your experience doing your very first shift? Because you've gone from nursing in the UK and then you've come all the way to Australia and you're in this whole new environment. How was your first shift? Was that was that scary? Yeah. Yeah. It was full on. It was, I still remember it. And it was a rehab unit um, in Frankston. I thought I could get the train and then walk. And you can't really, yeah, it wasn't. And then I got there. I remember kind of, I remember someone handing me some keys. And I was like, oh, that. And I think I said out loud, oh, thanks for the CD, the CD keys. And they're not called that here. And it kind of went downhill from there because there's a lot of differences. <laughs> the CDs. I made a lot of assumptions about that it's going to be an easy transition. They're all going to speak the same nurse language as me. No. Uh -uh. No, we really don't. And that's what this episode is about. The whole purpose of this episode is for us to talk about all those different medical terminology differences. So someone can listen to this podcast and just be a little bit more prepared. They can maybe have a bit of a giggle about it because reflecting back on what you guys say to what we say, I even have a bit of a giggle because I'm just like, God, we're weird in Australia, some of the things that we say. So we'll run through it. So you were mentioning about the keys, like the CD keys. If, you, if someone said to me, I did a video the other day about this. If someone said to me, um, or do you have the CDs? I would be like, I would just, I would actually think of a, a physical CD that you put like to play music. Like I would be like, what are you talking about? Well, there's, there's a few others like that as well that kind of span me off, <laughs> threw me off. Yeah. We'll definitely go through them. So for people who don't know, CDs is DDs. We call them DDs. And I think it's because it's called the like drugs of dependence. I think that's why we call them DDs. I'm not too sure. Or the S8, S4 cupboard is what we would say in Australia. So let's go through some more lingo. Now, what do you guys call a bluey in the UK? Is it an inco sheet? Yeah. 
Incontinency. Yeah, incoshi. Incoshi. That makes sense because I was like, what is an incoshi? Incontinency. Wow. You guys are smart. I have a bit of a story about that, actually. So, um, so the Kylie's, um, I like incoshi spelled washable and a bit, bit more effective. And in this hospital, it was the Kylie was pink and the bluey was blue. And I was like, right, that makes sense. They're nicknamed. And so when, when I was cleaning a patient with another nurse, um, she handed me some blueies and the blueies weren't exactly kind of enough. So I'm cutting it. So I asked her, um, could, should we use a pinky? Can, and then I asked her, um, can you go get a pinky? And she, she actually said to me, um, quite kindly, she said, um, do you mean a Kylie? And I was like, hmm, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? But yeah, I'm glad not many people heard because it wasn't my finest moment. So you thought because because you guys call them incontinent sheets, inco sheet, and you thought because we call those blueies that you thought the pink ones were called pinkies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just I can just I can just. Oh my goodness, that is so funny! But I totally get it. So we call it a bluey because obviously it's blue, and I don't know us Australians just like to be like, oh, grab me the bluey. But yeah, the pink ones that are the washable incontinent sheets we usually call as a Kylie. Which I don't know why. I've got no idea. If that's someone's name, no clue. But that is so funny. I've got like so many different terminology like examples written here. Now, please explain to me what an octopus is. So, yeah, it's just um, kind of a, a connector which splits in three ways, I think. If I remember correctly, it's been quite a while. But... And what do you know what we call those in Australia? No, I'm a little rusty. Oh, see, I love that I asked you about an octopus and you just kind of like, yeah, like, how do you not know what that is? <laughs> but to me, I'm like, an octopus for that is so strange. We call it, right, are you ready? We call that a chook's foot. Wow. And it's because <laughs> if you put if you put it next to a chicken foot, literally, with the little three legs, it looks like a chook's foot. That actually makes more sense than... The octopus thing, definitely. Yes, yeah. because octopus, I mean, how many legs does octopus have? I don't know. They have lots of legs, right? And that doesn't yep. make sense to me that you guys call it an octopus, but we call it a chook's foot. And it's like, yeah, for it looks like a chicken foot. So I've made a video that I want to put on social media about this. And I've got a picture of your octopus, right? But next to a chook's foot. So you can see why <laughs> why we actually call it that. It's because it looks like that yeah. with the three little connectors. You're definitely winning on that. Five years in Australia and you just learnt another one. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I should know that. So good. We'll tag team it. Your turn. What's another funny um, medical terminology difference? Oh, so um, BM. BM. So you call it BM in the UK? Yeah. So that's blood blood glucose, blood glucose level. Um, so blood sugars, really. And we say well bn so i think i have a couple of notes actually which says bn 7.2 or something where in australia bn is a bit more kind of it's bowel movement is that correct yes 
So if you, if you said if you said BM seven, right, we would think of like we'd be like, oh, like what mm. Bristol stool chart, like what? Um, yeah, we would never say BM for uh blood glucose levels. We call it a BGL. BGL is your blood glucose levels, and it makes sense, right? Because it's like a B, yeah. a G, and an L. But yeah. blood, yeah, that would just be like bowel movements for sure. So you could get into some really funny conversations with someone if you're talking about yeah. a glucose level, but they'll think you're talking about bowels. Yeah, definitely. Like sort of, so they've opened their bowels seven point two times. That's where's the gastro stop? What are you doing? Yeah, and you'll be like, seven times, but then where's the point two coming from? Like, how can you open your yeah. bowel 7.2 times? <laughs> how how did, he, how did he calculate that? What, what's happening? Yeah, so funny. I've got another really funny one, actually, but it's more so a, a, um, a Kiwi nurse from New Zealand was coming to Australia. And in, this isn't in every state of Australia. This is just predominantly in New South Wales. But they say between the flags. And between the flags means that in their observation chart, um, it means that they're stable, you know, they're within normal limits. So if you're saying someone's between the flags, it means like it's a good thing. But if they're outside of the flags, that's when you've got to escalate things. So a lot of people okay. will write in their notes, like uh, patients observations, BTF for between the flags. And that's just like how you document within New South Wales. But this, <laughs> this poor Kiwi nurse had come to Australia and she thought it was within the flags. So if you think about it, in her notes, she was writing WTF, not ah. BTF. So if you think ah. about reading notes, like patients' observations were WTF. You know, if you think about what that could mean, uh, it sounds bad. Yeah, that's not ideal. That's not the message you want the doctor to read, really. No, because if it's WTF, we really should have escalated that. Really? <laughs> All right, your turn. So, um, oh, what's my next one? So, so I was in handover, and they were reading out. They were doing the handover, reading out the patients, and they were. Um, they said, "Oh, this this patient's crook. He's really crook." Um, and I kind of, what what I said was, um, "Oh, in in what way is in what what do you mean by that?" But what I actually wanted to say was, um, are the police with him? Why is he not in prison? Has he stolen anything? What's his background? Like, I'm not sure I'm completely comfortable with this. Um, yeah, it was a lot. It, I had to take a, a moment and be like, oh, you thought there were crookers and like a criminal. You thought a crook meant a criminal. Well, oh. that's what I thought it meant, but <laughs> apparently not. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is actually so funny because as you're telling me this, I was like, yeah, they're sick. Like, what? what's a word that you know, like, that is someone who's sick? And then when you said the actually like a criminal, I just put two and two together. That is so funny that you would have thought that someone being unwell was them being a criminal. And then when I saw the patient, I was like, oh, he, he looks like he's deteriorating a bit. Like, it's all like a crook. Just criminals really deteriorating here. Yeah. Hmm. It was confusing. I, I did have to take a step back and... Really, really process just what's happened. Oh my goodness me. Okay, my turn. All right. Um, You guys call them... I mean, we do, we do say this, laxatives. Obviously, if someone's constipated, everyone uses laxatives, right? So it definitely is a word that we say in Australia. But 
we say appearance a lot. So have you charted the patient appearance? Has a patient had appearance? And I got no idea why we do that. I don't know why we don't just write laxative. Because to me, when someone says a laxative, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, like a chocolate. I don't know. Can you eat those like square chocolates that make you poo? I don't know why. That's just the first thing I think of. Like a kid's chocolate. You can give them like little chocolate things to, to eat to go to the toilet. And I don't know why, but that's just when you think of a laxative, that's just what I think of. But appearance to me, my mind, I think of like Coloxal and Senna and Nulax and, you know, Lactolose and all those constipation medications. So yeah, we don't really use laxative a lot at all. It's appearance. Did that one ever trip you up? Yeah, it did a bit, but I kind of, I kind of got to a stage where I expected these things. Like I did at first, I thought like, is this, is this a test? Are they, are they, and then I realized that actually like, like things are called different things here. It's just the way it goes. It's got to roll today. Yeah. What's an, what's another one that you have, um, you have found since being in Australia? The, the most difficult one for me, and I still struggle with it actually. And maybe I can ask you a question about it. Um, is yeah, no. Um, because, because saying <laughs> yes and no in one sentence can be a little like confronting. And yeah, I, I definitely had to take a step back, take some deep breaths about that one, like a bit anxiety provoking because didn't, didn't know what that meant. And I was like, okay, so I do it or not, or what, what's happening here? That is so true. So if you're trying to escalate something to the team leader and you're like, hey, like, so do you want me to like, I don't know, put a bowl, bowl of fluids up? And they're like, yeah, nah. Like, you'll be like, is this a yeah? Or is this a, is this a nah? I don't know why we do that. Okay. So it's like, we're saying, yeah, because we're acknowledging what you're saying. So we're like, yeah, I'm acknowledging what you've just said, but nah, let's not do it. That's kind okay. of how we do it. So we're like, it's like an acknowledgement factor, but then it's like, yeah, I'm acknowledging you, but nah, let's not do it. That's okay. why we do a yeah, nah. Okay. <laughs> That's the easiest way that I can explain it. What, what about yeah, nah, yeah? Is that a thing or is nah, yeah, nah? Nah, yeah, nah. I mean, same thing. I guess you'd be like processing what's happening. I reckon the best advice is whatever the last thing they've said, that's what you go with. So if they say, yeah, nah, yeah, it's yeah. If they go, nah, yeah, it's a yeah. If it's yeah, nah, it's a no. So whatever this, whatever the last part is, go with that. Okay. So I, I wish I knew that like before I came over because that was a lot. That was really, I was like, what do I do? Um, am I, can I do this? Can I be here? Am, am I qualified? <laughs> I did, yeah. I don't know. It was a lot. Because I don't know what, do I do yeah, no, yeah? What is it? So yes or a no, just tell but me. What What do I do with the information? Do I give it back to them? Like, do I send it back? Yeah, that is so funny now that I think about it. But yeah, okay. The last thing, just go with the last one, okay? If, it's an, if it ends in a nah, it's a nah. If it ends in a yeah, it's a yeah. <laughs> And that's from an Aussie person, okay? Okay, I might write it down. Yeah, write that down. All right, yeah, you better be note-taking during this. <laughs> I think everyone that will be listening is doing some note-taking. Um, 
I've got I've got another one. Okay, this is weird. What do you call your cannulas? Um, is it a gelco? Do I say it right? I don't. I I don't remember that. I don't nah. remember calling it gelco. Someone sent me a gelco, and I was like, "What is a gelco?" Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. What do you call an intravenous cannula when you're putting in a drip? Um, an IVI, I think. Yeah, IVI in in England. Oh, IVI. What does the I stand for? Intravenous insertion? What is it? What's the I stand for? I don't remember. <laughs> well, okay, it's IVC here for the people listening. Intravenous cannula. IVC. So you're like, you can say I put the patient's IV in that arm. It's fine. But you can also write IVC. So IV or IVC. IVI. Hell no. <laughs> no one would know what an IVI is. Yeah, I, I remember looking back on my notes quite recently and, yeah, IVI was, I I don't even know what it before. <laughs> I'll Google it post-episode because I'm curious. Another one as well is we call it, you guys call it ITU and we call it ICU. So what do you guys call your, what, what does ITU stand for again? Intensive? Intensive care unit. Oh, so that's what ITU stands for, intensive care unit. Okay, well we, we call it ICU for like intensive and then care and then unit. But I was so confused when I saw ITU. I was like, what is that? Mm, yeah, there's there's quite a few little things like that. Mm, I see it a lot. So if you work in ITU in the UK, you'll be working in ICU in the well, in Australia. Because that's a confusing one. And another one as well, because I work in ED a lot, but... Motor vehicle accident, we call it an MVA. So we'll be like incoming MVA. And you guys call it a RTA, road traffic accident. Yeah. yeah, I remember that one. Do you have any other ones you want to share? Yeah, I do. Um, so so in the UK, a thong is a type of underwear. But over here, it's a sandal. So when my elderly elderly patient asked me to find their thongs I kind of I kind of looked at them and I wasn't I like they were very serious about it so I was like maybe I don't have all the information here but I found it quite funny but it wasn't a time to laugh so I I, I can't I, if I remember I left the room and I asked another nurse and I was just like I think I'm out of my day um what's going on and then, yeah, went back in, sorted it out. I thought that was common knowledge. Is it not common knowledge that Australians call thongs like flip-flops here? Is that not common knowledge? Mm, it wasn't to me. It wasn't to me. Maybe it was. Everyone that's listening to this episode, if you're thinking of a thong, it is not a lacy little G-string style underwear. Not that thong. We call our flip-flops thongs. And every Australian has a pair of flip-flop thongs. Like, Javianas is a huge Australian brand that we love. And they're a type of thongs that we wear. And everyone's got Javiana thongs. Like, it's... I don't I don't know that many people that don't own a pair of Javiana thongs. So, it's very common for us to be like, oh, grabby thongs, which are flip-flops. But we would never call them mm. a flip... To me, a flip-flop is such a funny word. Oh, I'll get my flip-flops. Thongs is quite a funny word, really. Like, to an English person, it's just like, mm. yeah. Yeah, Australians are very funny. And because there's, I'm going to bring up two more random ones just because I'm on a roll here. 
Ambos. What's an ambo? Do you know what we call an ambo in Australia? An ambulance. An ambulance, yes. A, yeah, an a ambulance. A paramedic officer, we would call an ambo. So we'll be like, oh, the ambos are here. I, I definitely had to take a few seconds of that one. When I first heard it, I was a bit like, hmm. But it's kind of self-explanatory. You kind of get there eventually. Yeah, yeah, that's an easy one. And then what do we call the COVID-19 virus here in Australia? COVID. No, we, there's a nickname that we call COVID. What do we call COVID? Um, C19? <laughs> we, call it, we call it Rona. Ah, I have We say that, Rona. Yeah. We joke it and say Rona. Yeah, have you heard it? So instead of saying, oh, that patient is, like, that patient is positive for COVID-19, we say that patient's got Rona. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. That threw me off a bit. It's all coming I'm, back to you now. I'm like, yeah, I must have blocked it out because I was had a moment of confusion there. <laughs> so yeah, that's a funny one, and and it's the big joke that Australians shorten words, and we absolutely do. Like service station, we call it a servo. Like we just we love to shorten words, and the the Rona one cracks me up because I just realise there's a lot of British and Canadian and American nurses that I meet. And they just laugh so hard when I say Rona. And I was like, we all say Rona here. Yeah, it's a lot. It's different. It's definitely different. Yeah. Do you have any other ones that you want to share? So I remember asking my patient, uh, what do they do for a living? And because I was just curious. And they went, oh, I'm a tradie. And I was like, so I'm one of these people that just says things really quickly sometimes. And I'm like, oh, what are you trading? Like, how are we? how are you a tradie? And I just didn't quite get the whole kind of, it's a, it's an umbrella term for a lot of things. It is. Oh my goodness. I wouldn't have even thought that. Okay. So everyone listening, a tradie, there's a lot of tradies here in Australia. And it is, as you said, there's an umbrella for a lot of things for a tradie. And it means a trade person, a tradesperson. sorry. So they could be a bricklayer. They could like, they could, it could be so many things, but it's it's like usually a physical labor style job, usually to do with building or like moving equipment or things like that. So that is what a tradie is. <laughs> That's actually hilarious now that I think about it. You would have been so confused. Yeah. The first couple of months was a confusing time. Oh, that is hilarious. Um, another one I've got written on my little list here is um, that, and I don't think you would deal with it because you are like, you're a male nurse, but a lot of a lot of nurses call each other sisters here in Australia. So, for example, if I get to the ward um, and I need help with something, I'll be like, oh, sister, could you please help me with something? Where I know in the UK, the reference of sister means that it's like the team leader, like the nurse in charge. But we don't use that kind of, we call them a TL or a team leader. If someone's in charge, we'll be like, oh, where's the TL? Like that's the team leader, right? Or the nurse in charge. So... I remember, and this is a story of one of my really close friends. It was her third week in Australia. Um, she was working with me and she was panicking because I didn't know her name. So if I don't know a nurse's name, the best part about this kind of culture that we do with the sister thing is you go like, oh, hey, sister, could you mind getting a DD out with me? Like get a drug out. And for a British person to come to Australia and get called sister to their face and then asked to get a DD out of the cupboard, they're like, I don't, this person thinks I'm in charge. I don't know what a DD is. This is frightening. And they freak out. And, and I had to explain to her. I was like, we call everyone sister. 
if we don't know someone's name, it's just really easy to be like that, especially as an agency worker, you can use it to your advantage because you don't know anyone's name, right? So you can just call everyone's sister. And then I kind of had to explain the whole CD versus DD key thing to her. But a lot of people get so scared about that, <laughs> about that whole sister comment. And they're like, it's okay. We just, we just call everyone's sister. Yeah, I get that. So yeah, in the UK, we call like the A-num sister or a charge no. And yeah, it's, yeah, we, we stick to our certain roles and it's more, yeah, stick to that. It's a lot of responsibility, the sister title, yeah. but it's not here. Every, everyone's sister here. It's fine. Totally fine. The other one I got as well is, um, what do you guys call, you guys call it a porter in the UK? Oh yeah. Yeah. Not, not an orderly, a porter. Yeah. So someone that just pushes the trolleys and kind of picks people up for x-rays and stuff like that and they have different terms i think in my mm -hmm. local hospital they call them the men sometimes the men ah okay so the men and porter is that what you call them in the uk any other words no no in in over here over here they call them the men oh yeah. okay i've not i've not heard of that that might that might be in the hmm. Yeah, so so they were, I think they might be referring to kind of the heavy lifting team or something, the manual handling team. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because every, every spot in Australia, we do call porters different things in different regions of Australia because I've worked in five states of Australia now, so I've seen a difference. Most of the time we call them a wardie. So a wardie will come and help. So if you're like, oh, I need help with this patient to do a role, you would call a wardie. Or if your patient's going to x-ray, you would call a wardie to take them to x-ray. Um, but different states do call them different things. And I, I, I did a, a regional placement one time in New South Wales. And the person that cleans the beds and stuff, like, you know, our cleaning team, they call them the bed bugs. <laughs> they go, oh, yeah, I've called bed bugs to come. And I'm like, what? And it's Ooh. the people that come and clean the beds. And I was like, I've never heard... I've never heard that terminology before. So even I'm like, I learn all this new terminology, but like the men uh, to be called the wardy, that must be just maybe in that region or kind of just that kind of hospital environment that they call it. But it's not like a, an Australian term to call a porter a men. But yeah, wardy is quite common in, in most parts of Australia. I've, I've never heard wardy before. What about the term witch's hat? It's uh, a witch's hat is... Yeah, it's it's a thing that you put into the toilet to collect the patient's urine. Okay. From from my memory, anyway, I think that I'm pretty sure that's what a witch's hat is. And and that's for like they call it a full ward test here, but it, it's called a urine analysis in the UK or a dipstick in the UK, but it's a full ward test here. Yeah, no, we don't call it full. So if you if you if you put a witch's hat in the toilet to collect someone's urine, so say it's an elderly patient and they might not be very good at trying to wee into the cup, and but you really need a sample because you you want to try and get the freshest sample. So obviously in the cup is the best, but you would put a witch's hat into the toilet, um, or a bedpan, whatever's in the hospital. It's, it basically is a bedpan. And then they can pee into that and then you can kind of get your dipstick and do a urinalysis or you can send it off for an MSU, which is a midstream urine sample. So MSU or a urinalysis is kind of what you guys would call like a full ward test back in the UK. We, MSU or a UA, we call it. I just think about that, the witch's hat, because I would know what a witch's hat is, but I just I just put a, 
a pan in there. I just chuck one in there. Like, there you go. Pee in that. Fair enough. Do what you got to do, hey? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, any other ones that are coming to your mind? Well, Sanger. That, that threw me off. I didn't quite know what <laughs> yeah. Sanger was, which is quite basic, really. Um, yeah. And, yep. and then there's a few more. We need to explain kind of... what a Sanger is. What is a Sanger? The yeah. people are listening. They're going to be like, what the hell is a Sanger? Explain, Rowan. Good point. So, so a Sanger is a sandwich. It is. Sorry, instead of saying, would you like a cup of tea in a sandwich? We say, do you want a tea in a Sanger? And then, um, so for paracetamol, they say Panadol here. Um, and everyone calls it Panadol. And Oxycontin is Endone. Um, so yeah, they, yeah, some of the meds are just called by the brand name, the brand medication name. So that's to be to be mindful of that. Yeah, it's bad practice in Australia because it is, Panadol is an Australian like uh, Panadol, like paracetamol brand, which is like very well known. But then the drug order should say paracetamol one gram PO, which is an oral. But we sometimes see doctors write just Panadol, which, you know, isn't meant to be like that. It depends how strict the policy of the hospital is. But um, yeah, you're right. We do say Panadol a lot. And the other one you mentioned was that oxycodone is Endone. Yeah. And it's just like the, the, gen the generic names of the medications are, yeah, that everyone calls them the brand names. And it's, I remember when I first came over, I made like quite a long chart of all the generic names and then next to it, all the brand names. And I think, I think for, for metformin, there is five different brand names or, and for Panad, for the, I nearly said Panadol there, for yeah. paracetamol, there is like four, four brand names. I know it does get, I mean, if you think about it, the poor patients would be getting confused too. Yeah, it's the patients it's, get confused about this stuff too because they get given they get given their blood pressure medication, for example, and we'll call it something else, but it will say a different name on it, and they're just like, I don't know, like I'm just gonna take really? it. The doctor gave it to me. Yeah, we're pretty bad like that. So just um, yeah, the Panadol thing I know throws a lot of British people out. <laughs> they're like, what? Yeah. So I've I've spent a bit of time kind of um asking other nurses, um what what's this medication and um or Googling it and seeming a bit incompetent and not really looking good. Um, yeah, so it's just something to be mindful of. Well, I think this episode is going to help a lot of people, don't you think, Ron? Yeah, definitely. What's your biggest piece of advice you'd want to give them when coming to Australia? Because I feel like we've covered so much that at least someone would listen to this episode and be a bit more prepared in terms of like our slang, um, our medical terminology, um, but what advice do you think, or what would you would have loved to be told before you came to Australia so you didn't get such a shock? The the brand name medication and the generic name, definitely that one. Like learning that Panadol and Endone yeah. used a lot. And there's loads of slight differences. And yeah, nah doesn't mean kind of not a test. You don't need to panic. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's it does mean... Yeah, something. It's just you've got to get your head around it. And there's just different ways and just just asking questions. And I remember my first shift, I was extremely lucky. It was via HCA, actually. And um, 
the team were just like on the floor on this rehab board. They were, they knew I didn't, I, I thought the DB keys were CD. So like they gave me a lot of support. It was, it was great. Just, just take your time and be kind to yourself and ask questions. Yeah. It'll all come together for sure. And then also, what do you do on your time off, Rowan? I mean, you know, we're talking about the work style here and like what it's like, but you know, it sounds stressful, but it's not guys. You're all, you'll pick it up quick. And there's all these amazing things you can do outside of work, like traveling, going to the beach. What's your highlight of moving to Australia? Oh, wow. Okay. So one of my main things since the beginning has been playing beach volleyball on St Kilda Beach in Melbourne. Yeah. It's so much fun. I've made so many buddies there. Like people are always kind of, there's loads of travelers, loads of backpackers, loads of other kind of English people. Like I've made some really great friends there. And now I moved to Geelong. I live 10 minutes away from like, it's a, it's a decent beach, but well, I come from London, so I think any beach is pretty amazing. Um, and I've joined the CFA up here. So the volunteer fire service, um, yeah, there's everyone's so sporty, like the nature's amazing. Lots of nature walks, like I go to the Grampians a lot, um, go for hike. Yeah, it's, and well, I, you earn more money as a nurse here. And the hours, you don't have to slave away 12-hour shifts if you don't want to. It's, oh, it's definitely a, a no-brainer. It's, I still feel like I'm on holiday. Like, it's great. It's brilliant. I love that. And obviously the workload when you are working in terms of NHS compared to Australian hospitals, it's yeah. really different, hey? Yeah. So, on a, yeah, I would have like 12, twice the patient loan in the UK um, and there's wow. like allied, the allied healthcare here, like so much, they have time basically. They have time to see a patient. Like, like I don't have to kind of overstep and be the social worker a bit. Like there's proper, it's just, it's, it's better quality healthcare in my opinion far better like there's a bit yeah. of um i used to feel quite unsafe sometimes at work especially in the emergency department in yeah king's college and stuff like that and um yeah feel a lot safer here there's a lot more staffing there's more money like yeah it's a no-brainer i'm always trying to persuade my friends to move over well, I think after listening to this podcast, I think people are going to be online Googling like, okay, I want to come to Australia right now. And on that topic, if you do want to come to Australia, jump on our website, healthcareaustralia.com.au, click on it. We've got a whole international division that can help you with the process, help you with the ARPA registration, um, help you with the whole move over here. And you can message me anytime. I've got a Jess Tully Facebook page. I've got, I'm very accessible on the Instagram and Facebook of Healthcare Australia as well. So message anytime. But Rowan, thank you so much. This has been such an epic interview. And trust me, we're going to go off this episode and think of a bazillion other medical terminology differences. We literally covered like maybe 10% of the differences. There are so many more, but 
I mean, hey, we could even do a part two. We'll see. We'll see how we go. Hey. Yeah, that would be great. Let's do it. Sounds so fun. Will you enjoy the rest of your day? Thank you for coming on for the health of it podcast. You absolute legend. Now you know what year nah means. I hope I taught you something useful today. And make sure to give us a five-star review, everyone. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye.